Chapter fourteen of By Pike and Dyke, a tale of the rise of the Dutch Republic. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. By Pike and Dyke by G. A. Henty. Chapter fourteen The Fall of Harlem. After the terrible repulse inflicted upon the storming party, Don Frederick perceived that the task before him was not to be accomplished with the ease and rapidity he had anticipated, and that these hitherto despised Dutch heretics had at last been driven by despair to fight with desperate determination that was altogether new to the Spaniards. He therefore abandoned the idea of carrying the place by assault, and determined to take it by the slower and surer process of a regular siege in a week his pioneers would be able to drive mines beneath the walls an explosion would then open a way for his troops accordingly the work began but the besieged no sooner perceived what was being done than the thousand men who had devoted themselves to this work at once began to drive countermines both parties worked with energy and it was not long before the galleries met and a desperate struggle commenced underground here the drill and discipline of the Spaniards availed them but little. It was a conflict of man to man in narrow passages, with such light only as a few torches could give. Here the strength and fearlessness of death of the sturdy Dutch burghers and fishermen more than compensated for any superiority of the Spaniards in the management of their weapons. The air was so heavy and thick with powder that the torches gave but a feeble light and the combatants were well-nigh stifled by the fumes of sulphur yet in the galleries which met men fought night and day without intermission the places of those who retired exhausted or fell dead were filled by others impatiently waiting their turn to take part in the struggle while the fighting continued the work went on also fresh galleries were continually being driven on both sides and occasionally tremendous explosions took place as one party or the other sprung their mines the shock sometimes bringing down the earth in passages far removed from the explosions and burying the combatants beneath them while yawning pits were formed where the explosions took place and fragments of bodies cast high in the air many of the galleries were so narrow and low that no arms save daggers could be used and men fought like wild beasts grappling and rolling on the ground while comrades with lanterns or torches stood behind waiting to spring upon each other as soon as the struggle terminated one way or the other for a fortnight this underground struggle continued and then don frederick finding that no ground was gained and that the loss was so great that even his bravest soldiers were beginning to dread their turn to enter upon a conflict in which their military training went for nothing and where so many hundreds of their comrades had perished abandoned all hopes of springing a mine under the walls and drew off his troops a month had already elapsed since the repulse of the attack on the breach and while the fight had been going on underground a steady fire had been kept up against a work called a revelin protecting the gate of the cross during this time letters had from time to time been brought into the town by carrier pigeons the prince urging the citizens to persevere and holding out hope of relief these promises were to some extent fulfilled on the twenty eighth of january when four hundred veteran soldiers bringing with them one hundred seventy sledges laden with powder and bread crossed the frozen lake and succeeded in making their way into the city the time was now at hand when the besieged foresaw that the revelin of the cross gate could not much longer be defended but they had been making preparations for this contingency 
all through the long nights of january the non-combatants old men women and children aided by such of the fighting men as were not worn out by their work on the walls or underground labored to construct a wall in the form of a half-moon on the inside of the threatened point none who were able to work were exempt and none wished to be exempted for the heroic spirit burned brightly in every heart in harlem nightly ned went down with his aunt and cousins and worked side by side with them the houses near the new work were all levelled in order that the materials should be utilized for the construction of the wall which was built of solid masonry the small stones were carried by the children and younger girls in baskets the heavier ones dragged on hand sledges by the men and women although constitutionally adverse to exertion frau plomart worked sturdily and ned was often surprised at her strength for she dragged along without difficulty loaded sledges which he was unable to move throwing her weight on to the ropes that passed over her shoulders and toiling backwards and forwards to and from the wall for hours slowly but unflinchingly it seemed to ned that under these exertions she visibly decreased in weight from day to day and indeed the scanty supply of food upon which the work had to be done was ill calculated to support the strength of those engaged upon such fatiguing labor for from the commencement of the siege the whole population had been rationed all the provisions in the town had been handed over to the authorities for equal division and every house rich and poor had been rigorously searched to see that none were holding back supplies for their private consumption many of the cattle and horses had been killed and salted down and a daily distribution of food was made to each household according to the number of mouths it contained furious at the successful manner in which the party had entered the town on the twenty eighth of january don frederick kept up for the next few days a terrible cannonade against the gates of the cross and of st john and the wall connecting them at the end of that time the wall was greatly shattered part of st john's gate was in ruins and an assault was ordered to take place at midnight so certain was he of success that don frederick ordered the whole of his forces to be under arms opposite all the gates of the city to prevent the population making their escape a chosen body of troops were to lead the assault and at midnight these advanced silently against the breach the besieged had no suspicion that an attack was intended and there were but some forty men posted rather as sentries than guards at the breach these however when the spaniards advanced gave the alarm the watchers in the churches sounded the tocsins and the sleeping citizens sprang from their beds seized their arms and ran towards the threatened point unawed by the overwhelming force advancing against them the sentries took their places at the top of the breach and defended it with such desperation that they kept their assailants at bay until assistance arrived when the struggle assumed a more equal character the citizens defended themselves by the same means that had before proved successful boiling oil and pitch stones flaming hoops torches and missiles of all kinds were hurled down by them upon the spaniards while the garrison defended the breach with sword and pike until daylight the struggle continued and philip then ordered the whole of his force to advance to the assistance of the storming party a tremendous attack was made upon the revelin in front of the gate of the cross it was successful and the spaniards rushed exulting into the work believing that the city was now at their mercy then to their astonishment they saw that they were confronted by the new wall whose existence they had not even suspected while they were hesitating a tremendous explosion took place 
the citizens had undermined the revelin and placed a store of powder there and this was now fired and the work flew into the air with all the soldiers who had entered the retreat was sounded at once and the spaniards fell back to their camp and thus a second time the burghers of harlem repulsed an assault by an overwhelming force under the best generals of spain the effect of these failures was so great that don frederick resolved not to risk another defeat but to abandon his efforts to capture the city by sap or assault and to resort to the slow but sure process of famine he was well aware that the stock of food in the city was but small and the inhabitants were already suffering severely and he thought that they could not hold out much longer but greatly as the inhabitants suffered the misery of the army besieging them more than equalled their own the intense cold rendered it next to impossible to supply so large a force with food and small as were the rations of the inhabitants they were at least as large and more regularly delivered than those of the troops moreover the citizens who were not on duty could retire to their comfortable houses while the besiegers had but tents to shelter them from the severity of the frosts cold and insufficient food brought with them a train of diseases and great numbers of the soldiers died the cessation of the assaults tried the besieged even more than their daily conflicts had done for it is much harder to await death in a slow and tedious form than to face it fighting they could not fully realize the almost hopeless prospect ere long the frost would break up and with it the chance of obtaining supplies or reinforcements across the frozen lake would be at an end it was here alone that they could expect succor for they knew well enough that the prince could raise no army capable of cutting its way through the great beleaguering force in vain did they attempt to provoke or anger the spaniards into renewing their attacks sorties were constantly made the citizens gathered on the walls and with shouts and taunts of cowardice challenged the spaniards to come on they even went to the length of dressing themselves in the vestments of the churches and contemptuously carrying the sacred vessels in procession in hopes of infuriating the spaniards into an attack but don frederick and his generals were not to be moved from their purpose the soldiers suffering as much as the besiegers would gladly have brought matters to an issue one way or the other by again assaulting the walls but their officers restrained them assuring them that the city could not hold out long and that they would have an ample revenge when the time came life in the city was most monotonous now there was no stir of life or business no one bought or sold and except the men who went to take their turn as sentries on the wall or the women who fetched the daily ration for the family from the magazines there was no occasion to go abroad fuel was getting very scarce and families clubbed together and gathered at each other's houses by turns so that one fire did for all but at the end of february their sufferings from cold came to an end for the frost suddenly broke up in a few days the ice on the lake disappeared and spring set in the remaining cattle were now driven out into the fields under the walls to gather food for themselves strong guards went with them and whenever the spaniards endeavored to come down and drive them off the citizens flocked out and fought so desperately that the spaniards ceased to molest them for as one of those present wrote each captured bullock cost the lives of at least a dozen soldiers 
don frederick himself had long since become heartily weary of the siege in which there was no honor to be gained and which had already cost the lives of so large a number of his best soldiers it did not seem to him that the capture of a weak city was worth the price that had to be paid for it and he wrote to his father urging his views and asking permission to raise the siege but the duke thought differently and dispatched an officer to his son with this message tell don frederick that if he be not decided to continue the siege until the town be taken i shall no longer consider him my son should he fall in the siege i will myself take the field to maintain it and when we have both perished the duchess my wife shall come from spain to do the same inflamed by this reply don frederick recommenced active operations to the great satisfaction of the besieged the batteries were reopened and daily contests took place one night under cover of a fog a party of the besieged marched up to the principal spanish battery and attempted to spike the guns every one of them was killed round the battery not one turning to fly the citizens wrote don frederick do as much as the best soldiers in the world could do as soon as the frost broke up count bossu who had been building a fleet of small vessels in amsterdam cut a breach through the dike and entered the lake thus entirely cutting off communications the prince of orange on his part was building ships at the other end of the lake and was doing all in his power for the relief of the city he was anxiously waiting the arrival of troops from germany or france and doing his best with such volunteers as he could raise these however were not numerous for the dutch although ready to fight to the death for the defence of their own cities and families had not yet acquired a national spirit and all the efforts of the prince failed to induce them to combine for any general object his principal aim now was to cut the road along the dyke which connected amsterdam with the country round it could he succeed in doing this amsterdam would be as completely cut off as was harlem and that city as well as the spanish army would speedily be starved out alva himself was fully aware of this danger and wrote to the king since i came into this world i have never been in such anxiety if they should succeed in cutting off communication along the dykes we should have to raise the siege of harlem to surrender hands crossed or to starve the prince unable to gather sufficient men for this attempt sent orders to sonoy who commanded the small army in the north of holland to attack the dyke between the demar lake and the wye to open the sluices and break through the dyke by which means much of the country round harlem would be flooded sonoy crossed the wye in boats seized the dyke opened the sluices and began the work of cutting it through leaving his men so engaged sonoy went to edam to fetch up reinforcements while he was away a large force from amsterdam came up some marching along the causeway and some in boats a fierce contest took place the contending parties fighting partly in boats partly on the slippery causeway that was wide enough but for two men to stand abreast partly in the water but the number of the assailants was too great and the dutch after fighting gallantly lost heart and retired just as sonoy whose volunteers from edam had refused to follow him arrived alone in a little boat 
he tried in vain to rally them but was swept away by the rush of fugitives many of whom were however able to gain their boats and make their retreat thanks to the valor of john herring of horn who took his station on the dyke and armed with sword and shield actually kept in check a thousand of the enemy for a time long enough to have enabled the dutch to rally had they been disposed to do so but it was too late and they had enough of fighting however he held his post until many had made good their retreat and then plunging into the sea swam off to the boats and effected his escape a braver feat of arms was never accomplished some hundreds of the dutch were killed or captured all the prisoners were taken to the gibbets in the front of harlem and hung some by the neck and some by the heels in view of their countrymen while the head of one of their officers was thrown into the city as usual this act of ferocity excited the citizens to similar acts two of the old board of magistrates belonging to the spanish party with several other persons were hung and the wife and daughter of one of them hunted into the water and drowned in the words of an historian every man within and without harlem seemed inspired by a spirit of special and personal vengeance many however of the more gentle spirits were filled with horror at these barbarities and the perpetual carnage going on captain curie for example one of the bravest officers of the garrison who had been driven to take up arms by the sufferings of his countrymen although he had naturally a horror of bloodshed was subject to fits of melancholy at the contemplation of these horrors brave in the extreme he led his men in every sortie in every desperate struggle fighting without defensive armor he was always in the thick of the battle and many of the spaniards fell before his sword on his return he invariably took to his bed and lay ill from remorse and compunction till a fresh summons for action arrived when seized by a sort of frenzy he rose and led his men to fresh conflicts on the twenty-fifth of march a sally was made by a thousand of the besieged they drove in all the spanish outposts killed eight hundred of the enemy burnt three hundred tents and captured seven cannons nine standards and many wagon-loads of provisions all of which they succeeded in bringing into the city the duke of alva who had gone through nearly sixty years of warfare wrote to the king that never was a place defended with such skill and bravery as harlem and that it was a war such as never before was seen or heard of in any land on earth three veteran spanish regiments now reinforced the besiegers having been sent from italy to aid in overcoming the obstinate resistance of the city but the interest of the inhabitants was now centred rather on the lake than upon the spanish camp it was from this alone that they could expect succor and it now swarmed with the dutch and spanish vessels between whom there were daily contests on the twenty eighth of may the two fleets met in desperate fight admiral bossu had a hundred ships most of considerable size martin brand who commanded the dutch had a hundred and fifty but of much smaller size the ships grappled with each other and for hours a furious contest raged several thousands of men were killed on both sides but at length weight prevailed and the victory was decided in favor of the spaniards twenty-two of the dutch vessels were captured and the rest routed the spanish fleet now sailed towards harlem landed their crews and joined by a force from the army captured the forts the dutch had erected and had hitherto held on the shore of the lake and through which their scanty supplies had hitherto been received 
from the walls of the city the inhabitants watched the conflict and a wail of despair rose from them as they saw its issue they were now entirely cut off from all hope of succor and their fate appeared to be sealed nevertheless they managed to send a message to the prince that they would hold out for three weeks longer in hopes that he might devise some plan for their relief and carrier pigeons brought back word that another effort should be made to save them but by this time the magazines were empty hitherto one pound of bread had been served out daily to each man and half a pound to each woman and on this alone they had for many weeks subsisted but the flour was now exhausted and henceforth it was a battle with starvation every living creature that could be used as food was slain and eaten grass and herbage of all kinds were gathered and cooked for food and under cover of darkness parties sallied out from the gates to gather grass in the fields the sufferings of the besieged were terrible so much were they reduced by weakness that they could scarce drag themselves along the streets and numbers died from famine during the time that the supply of bread was served out ned had persuaded his aunt and the girls to put by a morsel of their food each day it will be the only resource when the city surrenders he said for four or five days at least the girls must remain concealed and during that time they must be fed if they take in with them a jar of water and a supply of those crusts which they can eat soaked in the water they can maintain life and so each day as long as the bread lasted a small piece was put aside until a sufficient store was accumulated to last the two girls for a week soon after the daily issues ceased frau plomart placed the bag of crusts into ned's hands take it away and hide it somewhere she said and do not let me know where you have put it or we shall assuredly break into it and use it before the time comes i do not think now that however great the pressure we would touch those crusts but there is no saying what we may do when we are gnawed by hunger it is better anyhow to put ourselves out of the way of temptation during the long weeks of june ned found it hard to keep the precious store untouched his aunt's figure had shrunk to a shadow of her former self and she was scarce able to cross the room the girl's cheeks were hollow and bloodless with famine and although none of them ever asked him to break in upon the store their faces pleaded more powerfully than any words could have done and yet they were better off than many for every night ned either went out from the gates or let himself down by a rope from the wall and returned with a supply of grass and herbage it was fortunate for the girls that there was no necessity to go out of doors for the sights there would have shaken the strongest men women and children fell dead by scores in the streets and the survivors had neither strength nor heart to carry them away and bury them on the first of july the burghers hung out a flag of truce and deputies went out to confer with don frederick the latter however would grant no terms whatever and they returned to the city two days later a tremendous cannonade was opened upon the town and the walls broken down in several places but the spaniards did not advance to the assault knowing that the town could not hold out many days longer two more parleys were held but without result and the black flag was hoisted upon the cathedral tower as a signal of despair but soon afterwards a pigeon flew into the town with a letter from the prince begging them to hold out for two days longer as succor was approaching the prince had indeed done all that was possible he assembled the citizens of delft in the market-place and said that if any troops could be gathered he would march in person at their head to the relief of the city 
there were no soldiers to be obtained but four thousand armed volunteers from the various dutch cities assembled and six hundred mounted troops the prince placed himself at their head but the magistrates and burghers of the towns would not allow him to hazard a life so indispensable to the existence of holland and the troops themselves refused to march unless he abandoned his intention he at last reluctantly consented and handed over the command of the expedition to baron battenberg on the eighth of july at dusk the expedition set out from sassenheim taking with them four hundred wagon-loads of provisions and seven cannon they halted in the woods and remained till midnight then they again marched forward hoping to be able to surprise the spaniards and make their way through before these could assemble in force the agreement had been made that signal fires should be lighted and that the citizens should sally out to assist the relieving force as it approached unfortunately two pigeons with letters giving the details of the intended expedition had been shot while passing over the spanish camp and the besiegers were perfectly aware of what was going to be done opposite the point at which the besieged were to sally out the spaniards collected a great mass of green branches pitch and straw five thousand troops were stationed behind it while an overwhelming force was stationed to attack the relieving army when night fell the pile of combustibles was lighted and gave out so dense a smoke that the signal fires lighted by battenberg were hidden from the townspeople as soon as the column advanced from the wood they were attacked by an overwhelming force of the enemy battenberg was killed and his troops utterly routed with the loss according to the dutch accounts of from five to six hundred but of many more according to spanish statements the besieged ranged under arms heard the sound of the distant conflict but as they had seen no signal fires believed that it was only a device of the spaniards to tempt them into making a sally and it was not until morning when don frederick sent in a prisoner with his nose and ears cut off to announce the news that they knew that the last effort to save them had failed the blow was a terrible one and there was great commotion in the town after consultation the garrison and the able-bodied citizens resolved to issue out in a solid column and to cut their way through the enemy or perish it was thought that if the women the helpless and infirm alone remained in the city they would be treated with greater mercy after all the fighting men had been slain but as soon as this resolution became known the women and children issued from the houses with loud cries and tears the burghers were unable to withstand their entreaties that all should die together and it was then resolved that the fighting men should be formed into a hollow square in which the women children sick and aged should be gathered and so to sally out and either win a way through the camp or die together but the news of this resolve reached the ears of don frederick he knew now what the burghers of harlem were capable of and thought that they would probably fire the city before they left and thus leaving nothing but a heap of ashes as a trophy of his victory he therefore sent a letter to the magistrates in the name of count overstein commander of the german forces in the besieging army giving a solemn assurance that if they surrendered at discretion no punishment should be inflicted except upon those who in the judgment of the citizens themselves had deserved it at the moment of sending the letter don frederick was in possession of strict orders from his father not to leave a man alive of the garrison with the exception of the germans and to execute a large number of the burghers on the receipt of this letter the city formally surrendered on the tenth of july 
the great bell was tolled and orders were issued that all arms should be brought to the town hall that the women should assemble in the cathedral and the men in the cloister of zil then don frederick with his staff rode into the city the scene which met their eyes was a terrible one everywhere were ruins of houses which had been set on fire by the spanish artillery the pavement had been torn up to repair the gaps in the walls unburied bodies of men and women were scattered about the streets while those still alive were mere shadows scarcely able to maintain their feet no time was lost in commencing the massacre all the officers were at once put to death the garrison had been reduced during the siege from four thousand to eighteen hundred of these the germans six hundred in number were allowed to depart the remaining twelve hundred were immediately butchered with at least as many of the citizens almost every citizen distinguished by service station or wealth was slaughtered and from day to day five executioners were kept constantly at work the city was not sacked the inhabitants agreeing to raise a great sum of money as a ransom as soon as the surrender was determined upon ned helped his cousins into the refuge prepared for them passed in the bread and water walled up the hole and whitewashed it his aunt being too weak to render any assistance before they entered he opened the bag and took out a few crusts you must eat something now aunt he said it may be a day or two before any food is distributed and it is no use holding on so long to die of hunger when food is almost in sight there is plenty in the bag to last the girls for a week you must eat sparingly girls not because there is not enough food but because after fasting so long it is necessary for you at first to take food in very small quantities the bread taken out was soaked and it swelled so much in the water that it made much more than he had expected he therefore divided it in half and a portion made an excellent meal for ned and his aunt the remaining being carefully put by for the following day an hour or two after eating the meal frau plomart felt so much stronger that she was able to obey the order to go up to the cathedral ned went with the able-bodied men to the cloisters the spaniards soon came among them and dragged off numbers of those whom they thought most likely to have taken a prominent part in the fighting to execution as they did not wish others from whom money could be wrung to escape from their hands they presently issued some food to the remainder the women after remaining for some hours in the cathedral were suffered to depart to their homes for their starving condition excited the compassion even of the spaniards and the atrocities which had taken place at the sacks of mechlin zutphen and narden were not repeated in harlem the next day the men were also released not from any ideas of mercy but in order that when they returned to their homes the work of picking out the better class for execution could be the more easily carried on for three days longer the girls remained in their hiding and were then allowed to come out as ned felt now that the danger of general massacre was averted now ned his aunt said you must stay here no longer every day we hear proclamations read in the streets that all sheltering refugees and others not belonging to the town will be punished with death and as you know every stranger caught has been murdered this they had heard from some of the neighbors ned himself had not stirred out since he returned from the cloisters for his aunt had implored him not to do so as it would only be running useless risk i hear she went on that they have searched many houses for fugitives and it is probable the hunt may become even more strict therefore i think ned that for our sake as well as your own you had better try to escape 
i quite agree with you aunt now that the worst is over and i know that you and the girls are safe no good purpose could be served by my staying and being both a stranger and one who has fought here i should certainly be killed if they laid hands on me as to escaping i do not think there can be any difficulty about that i have often let myself down from the walls and can do so again and although there is a strict watch kept at the gates to prevent any leaving until the spaniard's thirst for blood is satisfied there can be no longer any vigilant watch kept up by the troops encamped outside and i ought certainly to be able to get through them at night it will be dark in a couple of hours and as soon as it is so i will be off the girls burst into tears at the thought of ned's departure during the seven long months the siege had lasted he had been as a brother to them keeping up their spirits by his cheerfulness looking after their safety and as far as possible after their comfort and acting as the adviser and almost as the head of the house his aunt was almost equally affected for she had come to lean entirely upon him and to regard him as a son it is best that it should be so ned but we shall all miss you sorely it may be that i shall follow your advice and come over to england on a long visit now that i know you so well it will not seem like going among strangers as it did before for although i met your father and mother whenever they came over to vaudwick i had not got to know them as i know you i shall talk the matter over with my father of course everything depends upon what is going to happen in holland ned did not tell his aunt that her father had been one of the first dragged out from the cloisters for execution and that her sister who kept house for him had died three days previous to the surrender his going away was grief enough for her for one day and he turned the conversation to other matters until night fell when after a sad parting he made his way to the walls having wound round his waist the rope by which he had been accustomed to lower himself the executions in harlem continued for two days after he had left and then the five executioners were so weary of slaying that the three hundred prisoners who still remained for execution were tied back to back and thrown into the lake End of chapter fourteen